Good morning, everybody. It's good to see everybody here. It's good to be here. And I'm thankful for all that God has done for us. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 7, if you're not still there from our scripture reading. Uh, this is our text this morning. Jesus was once asked, uh, what, is, what, were the, what was the greatest commandment? And if you remember, his response was, there are two. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. It's something that's easy to say. Love is easy to say. I mean, it's everywhere. We just had Valentine's Day not too long ago. And, and, and you know, it, it, it's easy to buy a card and give a card. It's easy to get some flowers and give flowers and say, I love you. Now, kids, boys, or boys and girls, there's a certain age before they like to say, I love you. And, and, and to, with, my, with kids, as they get older, when their parents say, I love you, they don't like to hear it. It's easy to say. Not so easy to do. Because love, love isn't just, love isn't just words. Now, husbands, you should tell your wives that you love them. In fact, it's, we should tell everybody that we love them. In fact, there was, there was a period of time when that word love was really hard to use around here. Uh, it, it, back, back, men didn't hug each other, right? It was, first it was you know, the, the, the awkward handshake and, and then we started saying we loved each other. And then there was the bro hug, you know, where you just kind of put one arm around and or you go in with a handshake. And you remember those days? I'm thankful that we're not just that, that we're not there, but that man, we we truly do love each other. Love isn't shown in in, in just the words, but in in our in our actions. And and here we uh, in, in this passage of scripture, and it, start, it actually starts back before 44. Uh, it goes back to verse uh, chapter seven, verse 36. We see uh, something that happens. A, a Pharisee, a, a, a prominent person, uh, invites Jesus into his home and, and for dinner. Jesus was the, the guest of honor, you might say. And, and uh, uh, I, I thank the Lord that Jesus wasn't one just to go to one type of people. Uh, uh, he was known as one who, who ate with publicans and sinners, but... Even the Pharisees he would go and, and sit and eat with. And so he's invited there. And, and while he's there uh, at, at dinner, this woman enters into the room. And, and she wasn't a woman of, uh, of a good reputation, we might say. Uh, she was a woman. And it, it, there are two accounts of something that's very similar. One other account very similar to this. Uh, Mary, the, the sister of Lazarus, uh, does something very similar to, uh, to, to what this woman does. Uh, but this is not that account. This is, this is a, an unnamed woman who comes in, and, and she's, the, she's there, and, and uh, Jesus comes in, and she doesn't try to get his attention. She doesn't say, hey, hey, look at me. She doesn't even try to get a seat at the table. Or as we're going to read here in a moment, we find that she comes in, and she sits at his feet. Now, that, the way that they sat at tables back then isn't the way. They didn't have chairs like we do. and they, It was their customary that their knees would be forward and their legs would be kind of behind them. They were just sitting on pillows or whatever. Because it says that uh, she came in behind him weeping and washed, began to wash his feet. 
So as he's there, she doesn't say anything to him. She just begins to, to wash, uh, to weep and, and cry. And, and the Bible says that she washed his feet with her tears and wiped it with her hair. And, 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 she, and she, she did those things out of love. She wasn't doing those things to, to get people to notice her. In fact, she didn't even try to get Jesus to turn around. She just did these things for him. In fact, the Bible says, tells us here in this passage that she began to kiss his feet. I don't know about you, but most people don't even like to touch feet, let alone, let alone kiss somebody's feet. And back then, uh, you've got to understand, they didn't wear sneakers or, or boots or even clothes closed shoes. They wore sandals, and everywhere they went, they walked, and Israel is a very dirty, dusty place. And customarily, when uh, somebody, especially the guest of honor, would come in for dinner, their feet are to be washed by a, a servant, a male servant. But here, as he tells the Pharisee in a moment, nobody washed his feet. So he had dirty, filthy, well-traveled, calloused feet. And she washed them with her tears, she wiped them with her hair, she kissed them, and then she goes on to say that she anointed them with an alabaster box of ointment, a, 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 whether it was myrrh or some other type of, of, uh, of, of uh, perfumed oil, that's what she anointed his feet with. That caused a problem with the Pharisee. The Pharisee looked at all that was going on, and in his mind, he said, if he knew who she was, he wouldn't let her anywhere near him. Jesus, knowing what was in his mind, I love that. I always love, I always love that when the Bible records that uh, when the Pharisees were kind of into themselves, think things about Jesus, and then Jesus would ask them a question, pointing out that he knew exactly what they were thinking. But, uh, but, but, uh, but then Jesus asked him a question, and, and we're going to get to, get to all this. But my, my, my point is that there are two people here with Christ. There are actually probably more there, but this account focuses on, on Simon, and it focuses on the, 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 uh, this unnamed woman. We don't even know who she was as far as, uh, as who she was in this passage. It, so, but what we see is two different responses to Christ. While one brought him in and made him the guest of honor, the other one was the one who really showed love. There, there are a lot of Christians today that say they love God. There are a lot of people that profess to be Christians and they say they love God. But love isn't just the words that we use. There are a lot of people that go to church, but they don't worship. There are a lot of people that read the word, but they don't submit to it. There are a lot of people that, that, that look at, at, at Christ and say, I love God, but do we truly love God as he deserves to be loved? Let's read this passage, and, and I want to go down through it and, and maybe challenge us this morning. It says in verse 36, And one of the Pharisees de desired him that he would eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. 
Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touched him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, notice what he says, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence, and the other owed, and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave the most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou givest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little was forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to this woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for this account. Lord, and the, this love that was portrayed uh, by this woman to her Savior. God, I pray that it would challenge us this morning to look at our lives. Lord, to see whether our love is in word only. Or do we truly love you? God, I pray that you'd help us to remember just what was done for us through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to love him today. God, I pray that you would give me the words to speak, that I wouldn't say anything out of turn or out of the way. I pray that you would empty me of myself and fill me with the Spirit. And Lord, I pray that your Spirit would have your way with each and every one of us. If there's one here today that does not know you as the Savior, God, I pray that today would be the day that they not only hear the gospel, Lord, but that they would come to understand the truth of it. And Lord, that by faith, they might be made whole. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. This, this parable that Jesus told Simon is an interesting one, and it makes sense. There are two people that are in debt. We all understand what debt is, <laughs> right? Uh, today, nowadays, uh, uh, debt is a, is a normal thing for most people. Uh, uh, we should try to get out of debt and, and, and be debt-free, and, and, uh, and, 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 but we understand what it is, whether it's a credit card or a bill or a car payment or mortgage, uh, you, you know what debt is. Well, here are two people in this parable, one who owed 50 and one who owed 500. Now, that may seem, one may seem much worse than the other, but I want you to see something. The, uh, these are uh, insolvent debtors. What do I mean by that? Neither one could pay what they owed. It doesn't matter whether you owe $500 or $5,000. If you don't have, if you're not able to pay it, guess what? 
you can't pay it. It doesn't matter what the amount of the debt is. It's a, it becomes defaulted. And nobody likes to default on a loan. Typically, if you default on your loan to your house, you end up having to move. Or your car gets repoed. Uh, or or, or they, 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 the, the, man, those people that call you and call you and call you and call you. Man, what a problem that is. I had a, I had a guy, uh, I got a phone call one day. And the guy says, uh, uh, I'm from a collection agency, and you, owe, you now owe us this debt that you, owe this, that you owe these people. And I said, I don't owe them anything. And he says, well, they, they, they've sold us your debt, and yes, you do. I said, no, I don't. And man, he called me every single day until I called the company, and they realized that they had made a mistake, and, and, uh, and then it all disappeared suddenly. That was awesome because I hated giving that phone call. And if I'd owed it, man, I, they could have taken me to court. They could have taken that money. These, these two men in this, in this, uh, this parable, uh, uh, whether they owed 50 or they owed 500, they, they could not pay the loan. They, they'd been defaulted. And in fact, that's what it says here. And, uh, notice in verse uh, 41, it says, it says, there were a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, they didn't have any ability to pay the debt. No ability whatsoever. And it's because they had no money. Look at verse, it says, it, says, it, says, it says they had nothing to pay. It's interesting. Uh, I, I'm thankful that we have a, a Lord and Savior uh, who, who paid our debt for us. Because the Bible says, uh, for the wages of sin is death. And Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned. That's all of us. We were, all, we were all in debt. Every human being that was ever born on this earth, uh, uh, they, uh, they, were, they were born in debt. And it was a debt that they could not pay. Now, some would say, well, I'm not as bad as this one. Guess what? You still had no ability to pay your debt. We're not to compare ourselves with one another. Uh, the Bible says, uh, in comparing themselves uh, the one against another, they became fools. It's foolish for us to, to try to look at this person and say, well, I'm better than Brother Frank. Brother Frank says, no, you're not. I'm better than you. Neither one of us has actually ever said that. No, I'm younger than he is. <clears throat> There's no comparison. We we're not to compare ourselves with one another, and we understand that, right? We, we know that the Bible says for... for uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're to compare ourselves with God. And again, we all fall short. And because of our sin, we deserve death. We deserve judgment. In fact, the Bible says, Jesus said in John chapter 3, that he didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world was condemned already. Why? Because of our sinfulness. So it's a debt that we couldn't pay. Now he, goes, he goes on to say, uh, uh, I want you to notice uh, the incredible deliverance that, that was offered. Uh, notice the character of the creditor. It says uh, there, again, it says that there was a certain creditor. Uh, who does that creditor stand for? That's, that's, that's Jesus. It's God. It says, it says there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. Uh, one owed 50 and the other owed 500. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. That word frankly means he freely forgave them both. He didn't say, you know what, you come to work for me for a couple days and I'll, 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 I'll give you a break. He didn't say, you know, I'll, I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to you know, cut off 50% of what you owe me and that's all you've got to pay. He said, you know what, your debts 
are wiped clean. He was a compassionate creditor. And God had Jesus Christ and God had, God had compassion on us, did he not? Think, stop and think about it for a second. You could really understand the depths of the sin that you were in. Say, well, I wasn't that bad. You were dead in your trespasses and sin, according to Ephesians chapter 2. You couldn't bring new life to yourself. But you had a Savior who died for you and freely gave you salvation, if you're saved. Uh, it says, uh, uh, for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It's a gift. What does that mean? It's free. We all like free stuff, don't we? Well, man, I thought here in Maine, there would lots, a lot more people like free stuff. We all like free stuff, don't we? Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for a grace you saved through faith, and then not yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works. Let's say any man should boast. So guess what it means? It's free. Praise the Lord for free stuff. <laughs> I'm thankful for, for the freedom in our, the free salvation that's been given to us. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to work for it. We don't even have to go part, halfway in on it. We just have to trust in what Jesus Christ did for us, and God gives us salvation freely. It was unmerited favor. They didn't deserve it. It doesn't say that, that, they, that, that they were good people. It doesn't give us any information about, about them. We know they owed a debt. And, 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 and they couldn't pay it. But the creditor, the person they owed, by grace, forgave it. Same for us. We're saved by grace. We didn't deserve it. Uh, in fact, uh, Romans tells us, uh, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It drives me nuts when people say, you know, you've got to turn your life around before you can get saved. That's not what the Bible says. You know, you've you got to dress right. You've got to go to the right church. You've got to do this, do that, stop that, stop this. Nowhere in Scripture does it say any of that. Now, the Bible, let, me, let me make this very clear. The Bible does say to repent. Now, that word repent means change of heart, change of mind, change of direction. It's as if you're, going, you're following after these things, and you, you see it as, as wicked, as sinful as God sees it, and you change direction in your life. Now, it's not the change of direction that saves you. It's your faith that saves you. That change of direction, you know what it is? I, I now realize that what I was doing was an offense unto God. I now realize that Jesus is the Savior, and I am now going to follow after him. It's, 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 a, it's a change of mind. It's a change of direction. And that doesn't mean we're not going to sin. That's why 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our, of our sin. And that book was written to Christians, children of God. So we will still make mistakes. I, I, I say this. I've said it, I say it all the time. I don't mean to say it. It's not a, when we sin as children of God, it is not a mistake. It's a choice. If we choose to sin, God's grace is still there. Aren't you, aren't you glad about that? I am. It's unmerited favor and it's unrestricted forgiveness. Again, he didn't put ties on it. Uh, he didn't put, uh, there, was no, there, was, there was no restrictions to it. He just said, your debt is paid. Now, 
That question, the reason he's giving that parable is, is because of what was going on in the mind of, of Simon. Uh, and he, he, he wanted to, 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 uh, to, to point out why this woman was doing what she did. See, because, because she was doing these things not to get attention for herself, not to, to even get the Lord's attention. She was doing it out of love. In fact, Jesus said that himself. She did these things because she loved me. So the, the question was for Simon, who will love most? And he said, well, I suppose the one who is forgiven the most. And before we go any further, I just want to make sure this is very clear. The, the amount of sin that you've committed in your life is not going to determine the amount of love you have for God. It isn't. Because we all deserve to die and go to hell. None of us are any better than anybody else. God doesn't look at, at George and God doesn't look at Earl and see them differently. Before salvation, he saw them both the exact same way as sinners in need of his grace and salvation. And guess what? how he sees you? After salvation. As, 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 as all of us, after salvation, he sees us as, as the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You're forgiven. It didn't matter whether the debt was 500 or 50. The, 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 real, the real thing here is that the love that I see in, 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 in this unnamed woman, it, it, it's obvious in the way that she treated him. And the Pharisees, or Simon's lack of love was obvious in the way he treated him. Notice her instinctive devotion in verse 47. said verse 47, it's not it. Verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat at the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. In verse 38 it says this, and stood, notice this, at his feet, behind him weeping. So remember how I said uh, they, they used to sit. Uh, it, it would be as if they were sitting uh, on a pillow or a low, low, little bench and their feet would be tucked behind them. So uh, they didn't sit at a table like we do. It was, it was a different culture, different, different way. They, they did those things. And uh, So while she came to him and she stood at his feet, she was behind him. She didn't tap him on the shoulder. She didn't tug at his, at, his, at his jacket. She didn't even touch the hem of his garment. The Bible says she stood behind him, weeping. This is a humble approach. She came to him humbly. Listen, she knew who she was. She knew her reputation, and she knew what everybody else thought of her. She didn't try to get the best seat at the table. She didn't even try to sit at the table. She didn't try to, to garner attention from everybody. She, she, she literally stood behind him. And she began to weep. Tears began to run down her face. 
as she knelt down, to, uh, uh, those tears fell upon the Savior's feet. And those, those tears, uh, tears began to fall and they landed on his feet. She began to take her hair and wipe the dust and the dirt uh, uh, that was streaked with her tears off of his feet. And, and listen, this doesn't happen quickly. This is a slow process. Because she, what did Jesus say? Since I came in, she hasn't yet to stop or cease kissing my feet. So the tears are running, they're dropping on, on his feet. She's wiping them with her hair. She's, she's humbly there. Listen, this is heartfelt affection. It isn't fake. She truly loves her Savior. There's no pretense, no motive other than her love for him. It, it saddens me, that, at times even myself, that, that we do things for the wrong reason. I'm not, I'm not, this message this morning isn't about how much you come to church or, or how hard you sing or how loudly you sing or whether or not you shout or raise your hands. This message isn't about any of those because all of that can be faked. You can come to church five days a week and still be away from God. We don't have services five days a week. You can, you can raise your hand and shout amen all you want. If your heart's not right, it's all a show. You can declare to everybody how much you love God. You can serve in ministry after ministry after ministry, and, and there can be a problem there. And, and, I, and I'm telling you this out of personal testimony. All of you, many of you know uh, that how I, I ran from God for a period of years, from 24 to, to 27. I, 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 man, I moved uh, to Maine, and, and I, I got away from God. I got into alcohol, and, and, and man, I just wanted out of church and away. You know why? It wasn't a sudden thing. I didn't suddenly wake up one day and said, you know what? I'm just going to go drink today. I'm going to start cursing today. That's not what I did. See, I grew up in church. I got saved, really saved, at the age of 15. I'm, I, I'm not questionably, I got saved. I gave my life to Christ. For me, there came a point in my life when everything that I was doing in the church, and listen, I did a lot, I, and I'm not saying this to, to pump myself up. Uh, I, I'm saying this for the, for the very purpose that you can see that you can do all kinds of stuff for the wrong motive. I... This is my typical Sunday morning back when I was 17, 18 years old. I would go to 1920 and did this for, for several years. I would, I would be at the church at about 6.30 in the morning. Uh, there was a group of us uh, that, that we all worked in the bus, uh, or most of us did, and uh, we, we, ran, we ran bus routes. But we got there so that we could, that early, so that we could uh, uh, have quartet practice. We had a, 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 a quartet. There's four of us that we sang at the acapella songs at the, at the church. We'd, we'd practice for, for an hour, and then we would get on the bus, and most of us would go out, and we would pick kids up and bring them in. And we're talking about you'd have to go in and dress the kids sometimes and, and make sure that they'd brush their teeth and get them to church on time. And it was, uh, we did that. And then we got to church, and we'd get off the bus just before a service start. We'd go into our Sunday school classes. And, and then Sunday school class would be over. We'd go in, and we'd practice with the choir, and then we'd go and sing in the choir. And then once, uh, once that was done, uh, if I wasn't teaching a junior church, I'd sit in the service. But 
half the time I taught junior church. So then I'd go to junior church and I'd teach in that class and lead in the songs in that uh, back there and, and had a great time doing those things. I loved doing those things. But after church was over, uh, well, then we'd go to the nursing home and have service there. And we'd come back and it was after two hours in the nursing home and visiting all those folks, we'd come back and we'd take about a 30-minute nap before we ate some dinner and then it was time for choir practice. And then after choir practice, we had the evening service. And after evening service, we'd, I'd go to the youth pastor's house or, or my Sunday school teacher's house and, and we'd spend some time fellowshipping and having a good... Listen, we were there all day, every single Sunday. In fact, there were the weeks that we didn't have a nursing home, my Sunday school teacher, because we lived an hour away, my Sunday school teacher said, listen, just come over to my house, and you can spend the time here with me. And man, I loved doing those things, and I loved God. And, and, and when those things started, I did them for all the right reasons. But there came a point in time when something changed in me. And while I was doing all of those things, it wasn't because I loved God. It was because I was expected to do those things. I was supposed to do those things. And somebody needed to do those things. So that when I turned 24, and, and beyond that, my Bible reading slipped, my prayer life slipped, all those things slipped away. And suddenly, one day, I asked myself, why am I doing all this? And I didn't have a good answer. And the very first opportunity I had, I walked out of the door of that church. And I walked away from God. And I walked away from all those things. Why? Because I didn't love them anymore. I love faith. Listen, God does, yes, God calls us to live a certain way and do certain things and, and honor him, but we're not to do it out of fear. We're not to do it out of duty. We're, not to, we're to do it because we love him. She approached him humbly. There was heartfelt affection. It wasn't fake. There was honorable adoration. She kissed his feet. We, we had a feet washing here a few years ago, uh, uh, and I brought my kids up here. Uh, we were teaching on uh, the example that Jesus gave to us about washing feet. And I washed my children's feet. And I told the boys that I was going to do that, and, and they thought it was hilarious. And Ezra went outside and filled his sh shoes with dirt. So that when I took them off up here, literally dirt poured out of his shoes. They were the filthiest shoes or feet I have ever seen. And he stuck it out in my face. Thought it was great. I didn't want to touch it. Man, his feet stank. Boys' feet stink. Guys just get over it. Little, little younger guys, they're going to stink. Start wearing deodorant. You know, wash your feet. It's, it's a good thing to do. I swear, Zeke is young enough that his feet don't stink yet. So uh, he, he's like, Dad, kiss my feet. And I don't mind. Because I'll tickle his feet and do those things. Listen, that wasn't. His, he was a grown man who walked everywhere. My wife won't even touch my feet. But this woman, she ceased not to kiss his feet. Honorable adoration and, and an honest anointing. She took she brought in a sacrifice. And now now this was about a year's 
worth of wages uh, to, 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 to purchase an alabaster box full of this. And, and knowing that as we studying out for, for other messages about Mary and anointing Jesus' feet and breaking that alabaster box, she took that and she, she anointed him. She, it was, she was trying to honor him for what he had done for her. Why? Because she had been forgiven much. We've all been forgiven much. Sometimes we just forget. Sometimes we just forget. We get caught up in the, 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 the busyness of life and we forget what Jesus did for you. We should never let that happen. Remember when you first got saved? If you're, if you're saved here this morning, do you remember when you first got saved and the joy and the freedom and the gratefulness and just the happiness you had to be a child of God? You still have that today? The love that you had for Christ and what he did for you. I mean, put yourself back in that place where you learned how he died for your sins and he saved you and he forgave you of not just the little things you've done, but everything, the things you've hidden from everybody, from your very sin nature, to be honest with you. She loved him. And the truth is, if you're saved, you should love him too. David says it like this in the book of Psalms, blessed is man to whom the Lord doth not impute sin. Happy. Where's your joy? Those tears weren't tears of sorrow. They were grateful, tears of thankfulness and gratefulness and joy for what he'd done for her. She wasn't grieving. She was worshiping. When you worshiped this morning, what were you thinking about? When we sang the songs this morning, what was going through your mind? Were you really thinking about he is king? Or, I don't really know the song. Or whatever else was going on. I want you to notice the inevitable disdain. Go back to verse 39. And he, Jesus, spake a parable unto them. I'm in the wrong chapter. There we go. Verse 39. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who, in what manner, of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. First of all, his disdain shows us his lack of belief. Now, he didn't say this out loud. He said it quietly. But you know, Listen to what he said. If this man were a prophet, there was doubt in his heart of who Jesus was. Now, he knew he was a teacher. He knew he had a following. He knew he could do miracles. Uh, the Pharisees hated what Jesus was doing. He wasn't a believer or a disciple of Christ. 
He brought him in for a couple reasons. Maybe he wanted the, 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 uh, the attention that came with, with, with uh, those who, who were surrounding Christ. And, and, and so he said, ah, I'm, I'm preparing a dinner for you, Jesus. Come and, and meet with me and praise God. That Listen, Jesus will meet with anybody if, you, if asked. But there wasn't faith in his heart. There was doubt in who he was. Uh, he said, if this man is a prophet, Jesus was more than a prophet. He was the son of God. What did Peter say? Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O oh Lord. He said, others say you're John, Elijah. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Simon didn't say those things. He said, if he was a prophet. It shows his lack of belief. We, listen, we, we need to be careful about, uh, about how we look at others and how they worship. We need to be very careful. Listen, I'm all, I know we're in the Northeast. I'm all for people saying amen. And I'm all for people raising their hands when we sing. I know we don't do that a lot. I know there's not a lot of people that say amen. And listen, if you don't feel comfortable, that's just not you. I encourage you to get comfortable with it because you're going to have to get used to it because when we get to heaven, guess what? People are going to sing with hands raised and people are going to worship God. Listen, the Bible says to clap our hands and it's okay to do those things. But I also understand that we've battled the flesh and I've been there. Especially when you're around others that don't do that. You're like, ah! You're like, I want to raise my hand, Lord, but I get that. It's our flesh battling against our spirit. We all have that battle. But when somebody does raise their hands, don't look at them and say, you know, they're just trying to get attention. Now, I, I have seen people that are trying to get attention. But you know what I can't see? The motivation behind what they're doing. I can't see their heart. So whether you raise your hands like this, or you raise your hand like this, or you have to hold up a sign that says amen, or, or you just get a holy grunt, whatever, or nothing at all, God sees your heart, and that's what really matters. And when we judge others, it's really an indictment upon ourselves. Typically, when we're judging, listen, and when I say that, judging how others worship, maybe it's because we're not really worshiping ourselves. Notice also, not just his lack of belief, but his love for belittling sinners. Look, 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 what he, look what he says there in verse, uh, let me stay in the right chapter. Uh, he says, uh, there it is, verse uh, 30 or 39. It says, now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, this man is, if, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. He looked at her and said, man, you, we all know her reputation. We know where she comes from, what she does for a living. How dare, I can't believe he's letting her in the same room, let alone, uh, let alone touch his feet. Christians do that a lot. When somebody walks in with 
the wrong haircut, tattoos. They're not dressed to our standard. And listen, I'm all for dressing your best for the Lord, but not everybody's best. Not everybody can afford suits and ties or even a dress shirt. This is Maine. Sometimes people come in, in sandals in winter. I think it's crazy. But they're not going to judge them for it. I don't come to church in your pajamas. But <laughs> unless that's all you have. And guess what? I won't say anything to you. I won't, I, I won't call you out. I won't make fun of you. If that's the best you got, that's the best you got. In fact, I've seen kids on the bus come to church in, in, in clothes that had more holes in it than, than they were supposed to. It's dirty and hadn't been washed for weeks and they smelled it was the best they had. Don't judge somebody for how they look or for where they've come from. Come on, folks. You're blessed to live the life that you have. Not everybody that lives that life lives those lives because they chose them. And maybe, yes, sometimes their choices led them to where they're at. But you know, if they're lost without Christ, what hope do they have? Sin will take you farther than you ever expect it will. It'll cost you more than, 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 than you understand. And, and sometimes the choices that you make lead you down a path whose end is destruction. And we need to be careful because we all could have been in, on that path. But by the grace of God. He loved belittling other sinners. The truth is we're all the same. Notice also, this is important, that this Jesus' infinite declaration in verse 44. And he turned to the woman and said to the Simon, I, I really appreciate this. So here's Jesus sitting there at the table facing all the people behind him. Here's the woman uh, kneeling down behind his feet, washing his feet with her tears, wiping them with her, her hair, kissing his feet, just worshiping the Savior. And he turns to her. But he doesn't speak to her. He speaks to Simon. there's there's something here that he's he's getting ready to to do. He's getting ready to expose uh, this attitude, this pharisaical attitude that Simon had. Now, he was a Pharisee, so Pharisees have pharisaical attitudes, right? Uh, but but uh, and the problem with the Pharisees was what they they were able to keep the law or they did their best to keep the law and do everything. In fact, they made up some laws so that other people had to follow them, and and and, and they were better than everybody else. Remember the Pharisee and the uh, the the the, uh, the parable of the Pharisee in the in the temple praying while the, the the publican, the tax collector, the one everybody hated, was praying. I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like this publican over here. That's called a pharisaical attitude. And Jesus exposed it. Listen, the word of God always exposes us. The spirit of God will always expose us. You may think you're hiding it from everybody. And listen, you might be. But Jesus, God, knows your heart. 
You know that disciple? The one who carried the bag? In the account where, uh, in, in, in the, the, the time when Mary is doing this, uh, uh, the, 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 one of the disciples, the Bible tells us it was Judas, spoke up and said, why is he doing this, wasting this money? We could have taken it and given it to the poor. But I love the, the little caveat that God puts in there. He said this because he was a thief and he held the bag. Now, nobody else knew it, but God did. And God exposed it for all of us to see. God wasn't surprised when Judas forsook him and betrayed him. He knew it was going to happen all along. Listen, God knows your heart. And it will one day be exposed. Jesus exposes it here. In fact, he says here in verse 49, or verse 45 and 46, he says, Thou... Speaking to, about the woman, it says, uh, starting verse 4, 4, And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. What's he doing? He's saying, you... You invited me here, and you said I was your, 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 your guest of honor. But you didn't do all the things that are customarily done for the guest of honor. But this woman, she's a nobody. Not, her name isn't even given. She's a woman of ill repute, a, a, a harlot, but she washed his feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair. She kissed his feet unceasingly, and she anointed his feet with oil. Why? Well, he goes on to explain it here. Verse 47 says, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. She loved much. It's all explained right there. The actions that she took weren't because of anything other than her love for her Savior. The actions that you took this morning, why'd you do it? Why are you here? If you teach a Sunday school class, why did you teach your class this morning? If you, if you lead the music or play an instrument or, 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 or help with the counseling or, or, or do anything, if you picked up after somebody, you saw somebody drop some trash and you picked up, hey, thank you for that, but why'd you do it? Would Jesus say, you loved much? Did you worship him this morning? Notice, notice he explained her pure affection by talking about her genuine gratitude. Why? She'd been forgiven much. Notice also that he exalted the power of the Almighty. Uh, uh, he said, thy sins are forgiven. Jesus said that several times to different people. And the Pharisees always said, who, would he th- who does he think he is when he, uh, thinking he can forgive sins? One of my favorite accounts of this is, is the man who's let down, the lame man who's let down through the, through the roof. And the Pharisees are all thinking, uh, he says, thy sins be forgiven thee. And they're like, how can he forgive sins? Only God could do that. And he says, is it easier to say that your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? 
but so you know who I am, get up and walk. But listen, God is the only one that can forgive sins. And he looked at this woman and forgave her sins, but I want you to notice that, that while he did that, and he had the power to do that, right? He was Jesus, the Son of God, God himself. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It wasn't just some teacher, it wasn't just some prophet, it wasn't just some people that, a guy that people like to follow around. He was God in the flesh. And he had every right and all the power to forgive sins. But notice he didn't do it because of what she did. She did those things for him because she loved him. But notice the next verse. Verse 50. And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Thy faith has saved thee. Jesus clarifies this. Because otherwise, if that verse wasn't there, you could almost think, well, she came in, she did these things, and, and Jesus forgave her because of it. No, her sins were forgiven when she placed her faith and trust in Jesus as her Savior. We know that we're saved through, uh, by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Uh, the, the Philippian jailer asked, asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Listen, you don't get saved because you pray a certain prayer, go to a certain church, give a certain amount of money, wear a certain set of clothes. You, you don't get saved for any of those things. You know how you get saved? Faith. Faith in Christ. The Jesus, according to the gospel, in 1 Corinthians 15, the gospel is this, that Jesus, according to the scriptures, died for our sins and then rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. If you've placed your faith and trust in that work of Jesus on the cross, and, the, and you've placed your faith in him as the one who raised from, was raised from the dead, giving us hope, where others have no hope, that's what saves you. I, looking at this story, I have two, or this, not a story, this account, I have two questions for you. Two questions. I'm going to title this. this these two questions would be the title. first one is this. Are you forgiven? Are you forgiven? Because she was forgiven, because of what Jesus had done for her, because of her faith, listen, she, she loved him. And that love showed itself in what she did. It, it brought her to a point where, listen, nobody else would go. And she served him. She worshipped him. She sacrificed for him. Out of love. And listen, as, 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 as children of God, if you're saved, you should love him. Everything you do should be out of love for him. Not because it needs to be done, not because it gives you a position or power or authority, but uh, not because uh, somebody's going to see you and pat you on the back. Not, uh, none of those things. And, and not to earn your salvation. should do it because you love him. Are you forgiven this morning? Put yourself back where you were when you, when you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And, and, and if you're saved, remember what he did for you. 
Listen, man, that overcomes everything. You can lose everything in this world, but you cannot have your salvation taken away from you. The world can crumble down around your ears. That is why there are churches in Ukraine that are meeting today. While their government is, is, is fighting a war against Russia, while, while homes are being bombed, and, and listen, terrible things are happening. Russia, uh, Ukrainian Christians are still meeting and serving and worshiping God today. That's why there, there's an underground church in North Korea and in Saudi Arabia and in Syria where they can't meet openly because they might be, they might be, they might be persecuted or imprisoned. Listen, but, but they still meet. They risk everything because they love God, because he set them free. Their sins are forgiven. If, you're, if your sins haven't been forgiven, guess what? You'll love little. You might go to church. You might be here for all, all the wrong reasons. And again, coming to church doesn't save you. It's your faith in Christ that saves you. But you can come and you can be a part of the church. You can sing. You can do everything that we do and masquerade. You can fool us all. But you can't fool God. You can't. I don't care how long you've been in this church or what you used to do or what you do now. I mean, I, 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 love, the, I, love, us, I love you all. And I'm thankful for all of you and for the things that you used to do and the things that you do. But none of those things truly matter if your heart isn't right and if you're lost without Christ. Jesus said there'll be many in that day that say, Lord, Lord, we have done all these things in your name. And he will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Are you forgiven? My second question is this. Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten? Revelation chapter 2, John is writing the Revelation chapter 2 and and he's instructed to write a letter to the church in Philadelphia. And in that letter, let's go ahead and turn there real quickly. Revelation chapter 2. We'll start reading in verse 1. It says, Unto the angel of the church of, of Ephesus, sorry, not Philadelphia, Ephesus, Write these things, saith he that holdeth seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou, thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars. And hast borne, and hast born, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Notice all that they had going for them. I know thy works, and they were serving. They, they were ministering. They were serving one another. They were serving the community. Man, they were serving their labor. Their patience, 
Listen, what does that mean? Uh, they, were, they were persecuted, and they endured that persecution. How thou canst not bear them which are evil. They hated wickedness. They said, these people are wicked, these people are evil, and we, we, we can't bear them. We're not going to help them. We're not going to encourage them. They, uh, they, uh, we're going to put off that wickedness, that sin. So thou hast tried them, which say the apostles, and are not. Uh, there were those that would come and say, we have the word of God, and they would try their word against the word of God, and they'd say, you know what? You're wrong. Their doctrine was good. So thou and hast borne. They were adding to the church and has patience. And for not, my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. They had endurance. They went through difficult trying times and they, they were faithful to church. But what they didn't have is their first love. Now it didn't say they never had love. It doesn't say they, they never had it. It says thou hast left it. See, when they started, to, when they got saved and they, they became Christians, they, they, they were faithful and they loved God and they loved what Jesus for what he did. This was a real church, not just a prophetic church. Uh, oh, it's, it was a real church. This was a real letter to that church. And I want you to understand, they loved God for a time. But something happened in their lives. Listen, we're not talking about the, the group of people. Uh, the church is made up of people, of individuals. And we all have different hearts, do we not? But the majority of that church, while they were busy, while their doctrine was right, while they were serving and serving God and the, each other and the community, they were doing all the right things, they did it for all the wrong reasons. It says, thou hast left thy first love. They forgot why they were doing what they were doing. In Second Peter, chapter 1, Peter tells the people of, of God here of all the precious promises of God. I'll start reading verse 4, verse four of Second Peter, not First Peter. Verse 4 says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, what this, this, this faith, beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity, now notice what he says, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the verse I want you to, to, to really grab a hold of. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath, what's that next word? Forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Now, I understand that it's talking about their, their, their faith isn't secure. Not meaning it's not secure in Christ, but uh, in their assurance of salvation. But what, what he's saying is they, because they, 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 they didn't grow in their faith, they didn't grow in their understanding and their knowledge and their, their relationship with God, they forgot that they were purged from their old sins. And listen, why did, she, why did this woman, remember back to, to, back to, to look Luke 7, why did this woman love him so much? 
because she'd been forgiven so much. And listen, if we forget what God has done for us, if we, if we begin to neglect the, 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 the sacrifice that he, that he gave to us and, and, and how he redeemed us from our sins and brought us, gave us new life and took away all the old things and all things, if we forget that, we lose our love. We lose our love. We can do all that we're supposed to do and do it for the wrong reason. So my first question was, are you forgiven? And if you're not, Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor, and I will give you rest. He says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He is a compassionate creditor. He's looking at you that has a debt that you cannot pay, and he says, I have paid it all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I hope. Has he forgiven you? If he has, then love him. If he hasn't, he wants to. Second question. If he has forgiven you, have you Has your worship grown cold? I mean, you still sing the songs because, I mean, what else are you going to do? Everybody else is singing. Sometimes we mumble the songs. Watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. It looks like we're singing, but we're not. You might even lift your hands or say amen. Glory to the Lord. What's your heart? Is it done out of love? Do you love God? For years, for three, almost four years, I walked away from God. And then God brought me, God chasing me and brought me into somebody into my life. His name was Don Williams. You guys remember him. The first time we met was because I... I had a series of, 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 of calls all within a week. Every patient died. The worst, it ended it with the worst accident I have ever seen. The car was rear-ended and pushed in the path of a tractor trailer in, in South China. Both occupants were dead. The person that rear-ended them didn't, could care less. He was on his way back to Massachusetts and wondered why, we, why he couldn't leave the scene and go. I saw this. I saw a 17-year-old girl whose life should not have been over. Her eyes open, but blank. But she wasn't there anymore. And I needed to talk to somebody. Somebody gave me Don Williams' number. And we sat down and talked. 
and he learned my story. And he said, you know, as a child of God, I wasn't following God. I wasn't walking with God. But he said, as a child of God, you have a God you can rest in. It can give you peace. And God began to speak to my heart. Six months later, I met my wife. And we came to him for counseling together. And he looked at me and said, you need to get back in church and start reading your Bible. And he looked at my wife and said, you need to get saved. And we walked out of there. I walked out of there with no intention of reading my Bible or ever coming to church. I'd, I'd been here once, and it was too much like my home church, and I didn't want to come back. But it was free counseling, so I came. I've always been cheap. But my wife, she started to come. A few weeks into it, her coming to church and me working every Sunday because I would pick up extra shifts so I didn't have to be here. She came home one day. That was before we were married and we weren't living together, but not because, not because of the righteousness of not living together, but because I didn't want my parents to find out. Because I was away from the Lord. That should have been my reason. It was not. I can remember she asked me, how can I know if I'm saved? You know why she asked that question? Because while she was here, Pastor William preached the message on the Ten Commandments. And even though she has a very checkered background, if you know her, it was that message that showed her that she needed to save me. And praise God, she got saved. Not, she didn't come forward. She didn't pray a prayer. Not here, anyways. She got in her car and drove to my house, bawling her eyes out. And she placed her faith and trust in Christ. And when she asked me that, she just wanted to know for sure. I gave her the verses because I know the verses. And I said, you probably should talk to Pastor Williams. But because she got saved and she started nagging me, I started coming to church. And God worked in me. And listen, I came for the first couple of months because my wife wanted me to. We got married in his office. Because my wife wanted me to. I'm just kidding. That's not why. She's watching online. That is not why we got married, sweetheart. <laughs> my eyes through the preaching of the word and the ministry of the spirit it sparked in me the remembrance of what I once had and I'd walked away from it. Now listen, I never lost my salvation. The Bible says he, God chastens those whom he loves. But it reawakened in me a desire and a remembrance of what he had done for me. And one night, when my wife was in bed because she went to bed at 8 o'clock every night and slept till 8 o'clock in the morning back then, now that we have kids, that's not the case. But 
I sat in my chair, convicted. And I got on my knees and I laid on my floor. I said, God, I don't know if I'm lost or saved. And honestly, at that point, I didn't know. But God, if I'm lost, please save me. And if I walked away, please forgive me. You know what I need. Please, God, help me. I believe. And God reawakened that flame in my heart and reminded me what he had done for me when I was 15. I had left my first love. But he'd never left me. And he brought me back. Romans, it says, repent of that. Not Romans, Revelations, in the letter that, that was written to the church at Ephesus. It says, I have somewhat against thee, thou hast left thy first love. He goes on to say in the following verses, repent and return unto thy first works. What do you mean those first works? It's not the works. It's the motivation of why we do it. Get into your work, the word. Read it, study it, remember, stir up those memories. Have you been forgiven? Have you forgotten? Because he hasn't. He loves you. says this, we love him because he first loved us. Do you love him this morning? Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your forgiveness, for your word, for your mercy. God, we are a, we are a sinful people. And Lord, we are prone to wander. God, I pray that you would work in us. Lord, if there's one here today that's never placed their faith in you, Lord, today I ask that your spirit would, would open their eyes and that you would draw them unto salvation. Lord, for those of us that are here, that are saved, God, help us to examine our motives, why we are here why we worship, why we serve. Help us to truly examine if we do it out of love or for some other reason. Remind us, O oh Lord, of what you've done for us. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.